Very good. It's nice to be back. I, I've been gone for a while now again. I went to um, visit my mom and dad in Finland. Met some uh, Buddhist groups in Finland as well, so it was quite nice. I was there for three weeks, and then I was a week in Singapore, been traveling around, and and also there's been a. We have so many other monks now who who's teaching, who are teaching now here, and and nuns, of course. So it's it's very, very nice. You get to hear all the other teachers. Uh, we don't have to get the we don't have the same teachers all the time. So it's a, I think it's a high blessing. It's a very, very very fortunate. I've been. Going to places and uh, like in Finland, I'm I'm seen to be the one of the only monks. There is we don't really have other monks there. We have a there's another monk actually. He's a quite a bit more senior to me. He actually ordained. Some of you know Chikun Sunim and this Finnish monk ordained actually with the uh, same place that Chikun Sunim. They were, he he went to the same monastery, so he's a, he's in a Korean tradition. But he's a Finnish monk and. He lives in Italy, and I'm a Finnish monk, and I live in Australia. There's two of us. There's apparently a third one in in Thailand. I have no recollection, uh, recollection but another interesting thing: we have a connection. Ajahn Saro comes from the same monastery, so he's he's in Ajahn Saro's monastery. But apparently, he's a very quiet monk, and so he's there just at Ajahn Anand's monastery. So there's three of us. So we are uh, far apart, and there's very few of us. So. Um, so it was quite nice. It's it's nice to see we uh, people, uh, no matter where you go, people are the same, and we all have the same very very similar mind states, and we all have um, this quest to find the meaning and happiness in life. Finland was uh, voted, um, I think, it's fifth or sixth time in a row. If we were voted the, the happiest country in the in the world, and. Um, I went there and it didn't seem to be extremely happy there either. <laughs> very, very similar to Australia or Singapore. I didn't see a big difference there in the happiness of the people. They've done some research and I, I thought it was interesting. I actually gave a talk in Singapore about um, happiness uh, and I was thinking about a little bit what what makes Finland happy and and I read about it and they, they interviewed this one uh, sociologist, a professor on it, and he said that society is very even in Nordic countries, and that seems to be, it elevates the people's happiness when we don't have this big discrepancy between the poor and the rich. Um, so paying taxes seems to make people happy. It's interesting, because taxes are actually something which um, evens out the society really well. So I think in Australia we should pay even more taxes. Have less private schools, have more like uh, all state schools, and we all come go in the same schools and all that. And I think there's something to that. I, I, I firmly believe. Obviously, I come from we call it the socialistic country, and I've grew up with that. And I, I've reaped the benefits, and you have a lot of opportunities. You don't you don't have to uh, you're not uh, limited by certain uh, socioeconomic factors because you you can all come from different you know, uh, works of life, and you can end up in being a boss of Nokia in, in Finland or anything. As a matter of fact, actually, one of my ex-girlfriend's father was one of the big bosses in Nokia. I was lost. Anyways, could, um, I think I'm cl glad I lost that because I'm, I could become a monk. Who knows where I would be now? Embarrassing uh, revelations. You Sometimes you tell people these things. And, Anyhow, um, yesterday um, we did. Uh, we had a really good um, meditation day, and uh, I, I was just thinking the same thing. I was teaching in Finland. I went to Finland and Singapore, and um, you give these talks. But a lot of people are interested in meditation and mindfulness. It's, it seems to be a big thing here. And I, I walked in here in Hall, and there was a big sign here: "You mindful parking." So we have all kind of mindfulness these days. Mindful parking and mindful. What else mindfulness we can have? Many types of mindfulness. And actually, one group asked me, I was, I was in Finland, and they, quite, they were quite specific. that They didn't want me to talk about too much about Buddhism. There's a bit of a connotation of when you say Buddhism, we are religion. And it, it certainly serves as a purpose for religion for some of us. 
But mindfulness is mindfulness and meditation is really it has it's helping a lot of people, and it seems to be a lot of people can uh, relate to this this practice. And it's I think it's a unappreciated fact that it brings out certain kind of happiness in our mind when we take this practice of contemplation. Yesterday we we had the one day meditation here and uh, it was Simon actually gave the who was organizing the teachings very nicely he put that um list, the topic was um Buddha Anusati and Dhamma Anusati. Anusati is a it's a really nice a, a nice topic and it really uplifted my mind when I saw that it's like yeah that's a really let's do that I I thought it was a great idea. Um this recollection, anusati, means uh, recollection. Something you you put in your mind over and over again. You something you, Ajahn Brahm likes to say it sometimes that he these days he 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 sees it almost like looking from a different angle. Like you look at it from different angles. You're looking at it differently. You see something differently. And I like that idea that quite often I think we've been uh, traditionally. You go many Buddhist centers, and you, we just chanted the Buddha, Dhamma, uh, Sanganusati, and we always um, you rec- recollect in those terms. There's a very almost specific way. This is how we do in Theravada Buddhist circles. This is how we. These are the recollections we do. But if you think about it. Recollection. It's if that uplifts your mind. You grew up with that, and you you know you put effort, and you it reminds yourself. You know, of course, then it's good. But if you don't have that cultural thing, what uplifts your mind, you might have to look at differently, or you know, uplift your mind somehow, some other way. I know, uh, like the tradition I come from, the Thai forest tradition, very often. The the Thai masters, the teachers, they always said, when you the breathing meditation, the meditation, they instructed a lot of people who have this buddho, buddho, buddho. So you're breathing in bud, and you're breathing out to, buddho. So you sort of combine these uh, two things together. And I think why it really works well, and I've discussed this with Ajahn Brahm early on, why does it really work, like why do they teach, and that people have a lot of faith in the Buddha. It, it's such an integral part of that um, society, and I know definitely in um, uh, parts of the Northeast where it's almost like the, it's a very, very uh, faith-based society. There's a lot of faith, a lot of sweetness in people, and they have a lot of faith in, in the Buddha and Dhamma and Sangha. Uh, when you do that, it uplifts your mind. It's, it's, it's something interesting. It's, you grew up with that. But if, for me, for example, if I would have just combined the, that mantra of Buddha, Buddha with, med- with breathing, it doesn't have that feeling impact it doesn't have that impact for me because i didn't grow up with that i come from, you know i come from northern finland there's no buddhism there i didn't i don't have this kind of cultural uplifting factors on my mind so for me i had to develop the 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 anusati that kind of think differently and you know you have to find your own way what uplifts your mind there's actually six kinds of anusatis, different kind, uh, there's six kinds of um, recollections or contemplations what the Buddha actually recommended, or that's what he said, there's these kind of six recollections. So we have the Buddha, recollection of the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. So we have those three. Yesterday we did Buddha and Dhamma. They're quite nice uh, from us. We bow down quite often, I do. Myself as well, every time I sit down somewhere in here in a seat or I go there on a dana sala, I, put, I sit down, I bow down to the Buddha if there's a Buddha statue. And I always really try to have put the effort in bringing in the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. And it really it brings a beautiful qualities in your mind when you keep doing it over and over again. And you, because you refine this thing. And in Buddha said, it's like refining gold. 
like a, like a goldsmith, when you're heating up the gold and you're refining the gold, when you recollect these things. But then there we have the other three, which are not thought so often. So we have, I'm not sure that any, the order doesn't matter so much, but so we have the three others on Chaganusati, then we have Silanusati, and the last one, the sixth one is Devanusati. Sorry, I'm using the Pali language, but you know I'm just used to using that, and it's easier for me to remember them in these kind of sequences quite often. In Pali, we have these, um, or in the suttas, we have everything goes in, you know, numbered or they go in sequences, all that. So the three others, Jaga, what, what is Jaga? Anybody? Generosity, yeah, that's perfect. And it also could mean um, relinquishing. It also could mean this kind of giving up. Jaga is almost, it's, a, it's not just generosity in a sense that you, um, you give dana. It's many other things as well, but it, it does, it is really a big part of that. So sila nusati, then it's that easier. Sila, you would say, what would be sila? What would be a good translation for sila? Sila would be, uh, huh? Morality, yeah. Virtue, morality. I like to. I like Ajahn Pramali these days. Like to translate it as kindness. And I like that. And it actually it has a good foundation where he where it comes from as well. Like to Sila, goodness of your heart. Because time of the Buddha, there was. I remember there's a one story where this one monk comes to the Buddha and says, "Look, we have. I think at that time he said." We have 150 rules. Now we have 227. So all the, the, the rules didn't exist yet at the time when the, this monk went to talk to the Buddha. And he said, look, I can't remember 150 rules. And the Buddha said, can you just remember two things? Don't do anything which hurt yourself or hurt others. Just those two things you have to remember. Nothing else. If it hurts you... Don't do it. And if it hurts others, don't do it either. And he says, can you remember those things, two things? And he said, yes, I can remember that. Okay, don't worry about the other rules then. They all combine. If you combine all the rules, whether it's monk's rules or your, you know, your, your, the five precepts you follow, if it hurts you, don't do it. If you think um, a little bit of lying doesn't hurt, a little bit of killing or, or drinking alcohol, it doesn't hurt you, well, then... You can do it. So, but in that sense, you contemplate what makes you a kinder person, what, and then the happiness comes from that. So, all of this uh, anusati, this contemplation, these things, I like to think them as something which uplifts your mind. So that's why we can do them. We don't have to be so specific that the Buddha said these are the exactly once we should be contemplating. Perhaps the Buddha doesn't bring you that beautiful feeling of uplifting your mind because you didn't grow up with that culture. It's not there yet. And it, later on, when you keep at it, it does start bringing you that idea. It's like, wow, that's amazing. That's kind of like, a, it's so inspiring. The inspiration, it's not there yet in the beginning, but when you keep at it, the inspiration comes. With the same with the Dhamma or Sangha. But with the with the chaga and sila, with the generosity and sila, goodness or morality or virtue, those are really nice things to contemplate. I'm I'm a I'm a moral person. I'm a good person. I have goodness in my heart. It's always very easy to go into the lean into side of like, well, I'm nothing special, or remember the things you you should not have done, all those things. It's very, very easy to lean towards that. But it's, So you need to cultivate these things. You need to look at them from different angles. You need to refine the gold inside of you. And that uplifts your mind and it inspires you. And then all of these things should lead you into a way of having a clarity of mind, having a um, mind which is more at ease and and then that helps you with meditation that helps you with everyday life that helps you with just happiness so th 
think of those things that we I should be doing these things. I should put more effort into just thinking about my own goodness. And yesterday, actually, um, I was just, I didn't even think about that. But the, uh, very automatically, I mean, we're supposed to be doing contemplation, uh, Buddha and Dhamma, but I was just sitting here and I started to think about the uh, generosity of my parents and the things I've learned from my parents. Generosity is one thing which I've I've learned from my parents, so it's very natural for me to be a monk, put a lot of effort into helping the community, and it comes from my parents. So, and I was contemplating; I was just, it just came to my mind very automatically, and it's, it's really, really, it was really uplifting. It was like one of these things. I was just, wow! I learned this from my parents, generosity, and, and. It, it's so a lot of those things you don't think it or you you might think it just benefits you but if you have if you keep your sea life you have goodness in your heart your your virtue or if you're a generous person you're helping others you whatever however you see that jaga generosity it doesn't just change your life it changes lives around you People see you as a moral, generous person, somebody who has a mind which is leaning towards letting go. So those are the things we should be looking at, cultivating, just uplifting ourselves. I've done so many good things. It's, very, it's too easy to fall into the ruts of seeing the bad qualities in you. Don't worry, you should not worry too much about those bad qualities or unwholesome qualities, however you want to look at it. Instead, we should try to concentrate on the goodness and uplift our mind a little bit. It's, it's, it's really important to, to see the goodness in ourselves. There is not enough praise in this world. We don't get enough from others. Not enough, unfortunately. There is not the world doesn't uplift ourselves, uplift our minds enough. We're not, and if anything, we should be generous of giving compliments to others more and more. But so that's why we try to, it's almost like we're complimenting ourselves. So it was really, in that sense, it was really nice for me to um, to do that retreat and really put effort into looking what it feels to be having this kind of uplifted mind. And I've heard people who had a good time yesterday. I certainly did, so it was a nice retreat. The sixth one, um, again, it's it's difficult. The, the Buddha gave the... the um, the Devanusati. Again, I don't have the cultural feeling for that. I, it's for hard for me to appreciate the, the the celestial beings or you know contemplate them in the sense that it uplifts my mind. I just don't have that feeling base. If you grew up with that, you you it was in your mind for a long time it's it is something what uplifts your mind but i don't have it so it would be difficult for me to teach it even and the same thing um but once once you cultivate these things once you cultivate you're seeing the 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 goodness of your what you know i've been a good person you're seeing generosity whether it's in you or you're seeing you know, you learn generosity from somebody. It it grows bigger. It's almost like a memory. And actually, in that in that word, anusati, the last part of it, it's the sati, and sati is almost like a memory. It's a something you remember, but the anusati in the, in front of it, it makes it sort of makes it contemplation, make it something you you refine that memory, you dwell on it, you make more of it. So 
quite often people will tell us when you know I'm in Finland, I'm in Singapore, I'm in here. I cannot meditate. My mind is too busy. How to meditate? Look, we need to do the groundwork more and more, more often. The groundwork has to be there. That the foundation is there for you, for uh, for you, for you to able to let the mind just to disappear. If you work on that foundation, you do good things, and then you think about it. It's like, yeah, I'm, I've done something nice. I, I did put the effort in. Or you see it in others, and that's almost comes to like my name is Mudita. It, you seeing the goodness in others, and that uplifts your mind. I see the goodness in my my parents. I see the the generosity they taught me the generosity just by the actions, not you know telling be generous by the actions. I see those good things, and it's it really is something what makes you cry when you start thinking about it, and that's the feeling. And in Buddhism, we have a lot of technical teachings, and they are very interesting. And you can dwell on those and look at things um, almost scientifically. And it's it's really interesting when you get you know into those nitty gritty things. But a lot of these things should be actually when you're growing in a path in in this. Um, going further and further it should be more and more feeling based it should be more and more i feel good i and the feeling of the goodness is something which is quietness of the mind so that's it we are all this is aiming for that it's making the groundwork making giving you the foundation and then you you keep coming here you keep refining that gold and eventually it does work slowly slowly when you keep at it there's no other way it will work if you keep looking at yourself like i'm worth of like anybody else i'm worth of same amount of gold than everybody else not anything better not anything worse but the you know the the refinement has to happen perhaps you don't have it yet and then those technical things they do work as well because you then you look the same way anusati is a wrong way of using this word but you can same way when you when you see the dhamma you analyze it you you look at from the different angle you start feeling what the buddha was teaching and then obviously the really the big breakthroughs happen when you have deep meditation then you are separated from from yourself it doesn't it but then again it's almost like a feeling based it really is a big like a wow factor like wow what happened it's not this kind of normal way of thinking analyzing hmm what does non self mean or what does anicca impermanence unreliable what does it really mean you can it keeps us in there gives us that kind of like yeah it's interesting i can see that's how the world works everything is impermanent nothing is reliable anicca i no matter you know we always teach i we teach anatta you look everywhere you look into like i cannot see my body itself i cannot see a, you know a point in my body this belongs to me this is who i am this is what makes me or even if you start looking your mind what what's how its mind is made i can, you can see the anatta the non self there you see the emptiness in all of these phenomena however you want to look it's it's interesting but it doesn't have that kind of wow factor just the only the best thing i could i could perhaps describe which is you can relate to that and yesterday we i went through that it's when you start meditating and you are disappearing more and more and that gives you the feedback that disappeared and because of that disappearance you understand i still existed so i'm not that thing until then you're so immersed into that thing and the best thing i i can the easiest way for uh, what i think i can i can explain it is almost like when your body starts disappearing and it and why i say it starts disappearing because it disappears it doesn't just all of a sudden vanish and it's not there 
We are always um, have this image in our mind's eye of body. We always feel the body. It's almost like a mind-made body. And that's why they say even after death, uh, we make our bodies with, our mi- with the mind. So we have a mind-made body after you die. That goes a little bit too much into, perhaps for some, for into religion, but there's a mind-made body because we associate ourselves with our body. We cannot be anything outside of our body most of the time. We know what even our toes look like. If somebody puts, you know, a set of, you know, their foot next to it and you put a canvas over it and you're just like, no, no, those are not my toes, those are my toes. You know what your toes look like. You, you have this image of your body. And the same, so the same way what happens is when you start, your body starts disappearing and it perhaps even disappears completely, it is very exciting. It's not like, oh, the body is just disappearing, nothing to worry about. It's almost like a dying moment. It's just weird experience when the body starts disappearing. It's absolutely, it's just sort of like, it's just, you cannot help but to wonder, be at awe of something. It's just, it blows your mind. It's just something you never knew you can be without your body. You always have, like I said, you always have an image of your body. You, even if you close your eyes, you know the limits of your body, know what the body feels like. You, but at this point, when the body starts disappearing, and you look in your mind's eye, you, you put your attention to your body, you don't see anything. The image is not there. There's no feeling there in the body. Just all this, the sense paces of that part of the body have disappeared. There's no heat, there's no cold, there's no pain, there's no, there is no body there. It's almost like you're looking into a void or you're looking into, hmm, what could, simile could I give? Something which just, like you, you're supposed to be seeing something, but there's nothing there. It's just so weird. And so these things, there's a lot of very, very exciting things what happens when the meditation starts happening. So in that sense, I'm not a completely sure why I went to this. I'm supposed to talk about the Anusati, the contemplation, but see, okay, we moved into the meditation part now. But all of these things, they give you feedback. I can exist without body. So perhaps that was the, you know, okay, that's sati. So that it's a sati, it's like a memory. It's more, more like a, a awareness or feedback, however you want to see it. It's an exciting. It's something which raises your hair. It gives you, you look at it differently. I can be separated from my body and it's a weird experience. Until then, you don't know how to be anything except your body or with your body rather. When you die, you separate it from automatically, but you can do that before you die. And it's the same thing with your mind things. All these things, your mind starts shutting down, and you obviously you go to Nimitta or you go to Janus, you are just, there's just an object. There is no you and object. The separation is not, the, oh, you know, there is no anything except the object. So how can you exist when there's just an object, an object being depending how, how refined it is, but it's just like in the beginning, it's just a joy, for example. How can there be, just be joy and nothing else? Where is you then? The, you know, these are now, I'm talking about jhanas now. I'm going into the jhanas stage, stages. But I mean, just so you can imagine, if the body disappears and you exist... Well, that gives you the automatically the feedback, I'm not my body. It's not an intellectual pursuit. It's a feeling based. It's something you know. It's a little bit the same with these contemplations. It's not intellectual. It, it might be in the beginning, 
you you know you you trust others that I should be doing this. You trust that it's good to contemplate the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, Chaga, Sila, Deva. It's good to do that. You might just come more intellectually into that. I should be doing that. It makes sense. It uplifts my mind. But you need to develop it into a feeling or where it sort of you makes you cry. It raises the hair in the back of your head. It really uplifts your mind. In that sense, then you know that anusati, that contemplation is working. When it makes you cry out of happiness, out of, wow, I've learned something amazing from, like I said, from my parents, their generosity. I had to learn it from somewhere. And it's it's amazing thing. So keep refining your mind in that sense. You're making the foundation more and more solid. It's always with you, the foundation. And then you build up that meditation on it. Your and then that and then from there your faith grows, your confidence rather, however you want to look at it. Your your understanding grows from that. We should be growing in wisdom, and the wisdom grows from all these experiences. The wisdom is part of that kind of the feeling factor. There is no nothing separating separate from that feel those feelings. That is wisdom. And you really to be a wise person is somebody. Uh, a wise person is somebody who has a, you have a lot of calmness in their mind. They're not whisk around with this worldly um, uh, play, uh, praise and blame. They're not whisked around uh, the external conditions. They understand they are free. They are their own island. To be sort of the master of your own universe, or perhaps that's a bit too poetic, but the, to be independent from the world in a sense obviously we are all connected with each other but to be independent truly independent of the world where you're not like a little thing just bobbing up and down on the uh, on the um, uh, on this um, big sea you have to have a solid foundation the world is always trying to push us here and there, make us do things, uh, put us down, bring us up. But to have the solid foundation is you need to keep at contemplating goodness of your heart, uh, something which uplifts you, think, uh, uplifts you. And that comes into one of my, my favorite suttas. I've probably told them many times here, but um, I'm sure most of you forget, so I can tell it over and over again. One of my favorite suttas is, there's a Mahanamo was uh, passing away, and he said uh, he was worried, so he asked Buddha to come and talk to him, and he said, look, I'm worried. I'm not the stream mentor yet. What's going to happen to me? I, whether I, will I find the Dhamma again? Will I, um, which way I'm going to go? You, you don't know. Um, once you start looking at it, it's actually quite scary. You never know whether you're going to find what we have here again when you pass away until you're a stream enter. The Buddha said, don't worry, Mahanama. If you have the confidence in into the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, the respect, confidence, I think the word they use there is respect more, but I, I like that... Um, um, idea that you contemplate it, then a lot of them make a lot of those uh, those three things: the Buddha, the teacher, the Dhamma, the teachings, and the Sangha. You had the, you contemplated them over and over again, and you have your sila. Again, the sila comes there. The same things Buddha taught many many places. Sila is the fourth. So you have three things, which is your contemplate. Well, again, actually the sila is, I didn't even think of that. The sila is also your contemplation. So you have these four things supporting you. You have the respect towards the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, and your sila. And if you have those four things, the Buddha said it's almost like, it's, it's like a tree. 
if there's a tree which is leaning towards, I always forget whether it's east or west, but let's say it's west because the sun sets. Um, uh, so the, the, it's like a tree which is leaning towards, no, let's take east. <laughs> I like east. <laughs> the tree which is leaning towards east. And if a four strong men come, and I've been trying to figure out what, what are the strong four strong men, is there some underlying meaning for in this sutta? I haven't yet figured this out. I should ask the, well, more senior teachers, old teachers who can make, maybe make it up. I don't know if there's any meaning for that. Four strong men come and they cut down the tree which is leaning to east. They cut it down from the root. Which way is going to fall? Is it going to fall north, south, west or east? And the Mahanama said, of course, it's going to fall towards east. And the Buddha said the same way. If you have those uh, four things, the, uh, the, you have the respect towards Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, and you see as your fourth, you're always leaning towards Nibbana, always leaning towards finding the Dhamma. And I, I find it really, really nice sutta. It's very inspiring. So even if you don't get there, as long as you're leaning towards that, your lean is always there. And when the it comes crashing down, you will always, uh, always crashing down that direction until you find it. So in that sense, you, who knows where you're going to crash down and wh where you're going to actually, the new sapling takes, takes a route. Uh, somebody told me um, that they go to this website, I think there's uh, Buddhist um, jokes or Buddhist humor website. Uh, and there's apparently one of them was a cartoon where it says there's in a cartoon there's a tombstone and it, it says in a tombstone, see you soon. Uh, oh yeah, see you later soon. So I, I thought it was a really nice cartoon. It's like okay, see you see you, uh, see you soon. It's um, uh, it's a, just how it is. The new sapling takes a root when the craving starts again and. You don't know really where it starts growing. You might have end up like me in northern part of Finland, and you, you know, it's a bit. Uh, so it might take you a while to get across to find the Dhamma, but once you once you find it, it's you cannot stop but going towards it. It's same for me. What really that one of the teachings, early teachings, got me in this in, uh, into the Dhamma. I was living in New York, and I was trying to started meditating and looking really into it. And one of the early things which really caught my, uh, what the, I, I realized that I had really massive pull towards that. There was one of my teachers was uh, teaching about um, Anicca, impermanence or unreliability. And he said, can you look, can you see anywhere in this world which is permanent, which is always there, which is never changing? Whether it's in your body, or your mind, outside world, anywhere in this universe, can you see anything which is always reliably there, which is never changing? And I was thinking, wow, these are the Buddhist teachings? That's amazing. And all these things, when you start, uh, when you start looking at them differently, contemplate, that's, that's Dhamma contemplation then. It's like, wow, it makes sense. I'm not in charge. My mind is completely, my mind is changing all the time. And then you start looking, oh, that's what it means by um, seeing the um, um, an, uh, anatta, non-self. How can there be a self when there's, everything is co constantly changing? Constantly, constantly. It's difficult sometimes to see how your mind changes all the time, but you, when you start meditating, it gives you the feedback. And then all these things, you start, they start in the mingling, and it's the f wisdom grows from that. It's almost like a low insights, and it uplifts your mind. So th even those insights you have, dwell on them, make more of them. What inspired you to get into Buddhism? What is the you know, starting factor? Or what were those like wow moments? Make more of them. Think about them in your mind, and it becomes bigger. And so it's a, really, it's a really nice thing where we keep at it and it, it's, it grows in, in us. And then, okay, perhaps when the tree goes crashing down, you don't have that 
um, you're not an island yet. You're not the island means you. You're not a stream enter yet. You you you're not a solid entity yet by yourself. You don't you don't stand on the solid ground yet. But at least you are leaning towards that. At least you're always leaning towards peace. So it's a it's a comforting idea that I'm doing something right. I'm at least I have something which gives me meaning in life. And I can I'm I totally understand in many other religions they have the same thing. Faith it brings a lot of I can see it brings a lot of um, joy in people because you have something you can rely on. But in this one in Buddhism we can't really rely on others to help us too much. Uh, yeah, in that sense, there's like an entity outside of us. We are in charge of our own happiness, our own salvation, our own... Mm, we have to rely on ourselves. We have to rely that our minds are nothing outside of these influences of from outside. It's only how we relate to that, that mind, that, those influences. There's nothing, there's not much we can do about anything, really. Ajahn Pramali was here um, before I went to Finland. He, a lot of you were perhaps on his retreat. It was a really nice, the Sutta retreat Ajahn Pramali was doing here. When was it, like a month and a half ago, two months ago now? And he, somebody asked him, him about the free will, and he, he gave a really brilliant answer, and actually I went back to it, and I... I was teaching in Finland, so I translated that in Finnish, and I thought it was such a nice answer. And he said, uh, free will, um, it's a really almost like a mood concept. It's almost like it's something which is, doesn't make sense, really, to look at it in Buddhism. Um, it's a concept which is, do we have free will or not? It's, it's a tricky one. We cannot say no, and we cannot really say yes. It's it's neither one of those things. It's almost like you have a little bit of wiggle room there. I'm completely botching his answer now, but uh, it's it's all the causes and conditions from the past come to you in this moment, and determined from those things, we can ha we have sort of free will to choose, but only from those causes. So that in Buddhism we would use, that would be your kamma, everything, all the other influences. You come into this moment and then you can have this like a little thing we can, okay, I can choose from those things. So you, and the, the, how much you can actually choose is very, very limited. We do this, we have this kind of, we think we have a free will, we can choose, but the, the limitations are from the past and they're very, very, once you start seeing how limited you are, he gave a simile like, okay, we're going to have a lunchtime soon. You can, you know, you can choose between the food you take or not. And, but you're still sort of like, it's, there's a still a lot of like a guesstimation, guesswork. Oh, do I like that? Don't I like that? That could be cold. That would be too spicy. Maybe that's not good for my stomach. You have this kind of little wiggle room there. But really, what really matters about this free, free, uh, free will or choices is when you do anusati, contemplation, when you study Dhamma, when you have mind which is uplifted, then you make choices based on that. Based on mind which is uplifted, based on something which is the goodness of your heart. If you contemplate sila, if you contemplate uh, generosity, that moment you're making choices from that condition. So that is a good condition to make choices from. So then your choices will be better. The free will is there, but those are, that's the limit. That's your factor where it comes from. So. I don't know how else, how differently I can put this up. Ajahn Pramali used in that simile, you know, you, they, you did a sutta retreat and he said, you know, now because I'm based on of um, conditioning, this was the conditioning, you know, reading suttas, looking at them, uplifting your mind from that. The, the conditions 
are there now at that point they would like you were, he was reading suttas and from based on that you make choices so your choices are then conditioned by that so we have to try to condition our mind certain way and so by con- by contemplation by looking at it from different angles by feeling these things you're changing the conditioning and from the condition what comes after that your choices you always have to make choices no matter what and it's constantly happening that changes your choices is there free will again i mean it's a moot point it's those conditions it's only what's affecting your mind but if the conditions are good the choices end up being good there was an interesting question in um in singapore somebody asked can we manifest something i can't remember what the manifest something and i thought it was a really strange question so i thought it was fun so can we manifest the universe or can we manifest things and i was like what what is what kind of question is this and then somebody is like oh yeah yeah no there's this idea that you know like if you if you ask something from the universe or you you know you contemplate you manifest it it's going to come to you so i don't know what this person is trying to manifest maybe a winning lottery or something you, know, you keep asking and i'm that's the thing i think what we we most of the time we asking i wish i could get a a loving partner i wish i would get a you know a lot of money and then i didn't have to do anything some you know those are the i i'm sure those are the manifestations with a lot of us have or i wish i was healthier I wish I, somebody around me was healthier. There's, there's these kind of things we're trying to manifest. There's lot, I don't think there's a lot of things you can manifest. You cannot manifest your own health. You cannot manifest, uh, perhaps, I don't know, winning lottery. We, we, you can try. I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, one thing you can, and I was like, okay, yeah, manifesting, asking from universe. Okay, you are manifesting your future by how you look at this moment so whatever you decide here will become the future so if you're manifesting kindness in your mind what what are you manifesting in the future you're manifesting in kindness in the future if you're manifesting greed what are you manifesting in the future you will get greed from that so it is it does work So if you want to have create a future that you won't be satisfied, manifest greed in this moment. You're not satisfied and you keep getting more and more unsatisfaction in the future. So sure, whatever you manifest, that will come. And in that sense we need to we always teach, okay, manifest contentment. Manifest uh kindness. And now we looked into, you know, uh, Buddha Nusati, Dhamma Nusati, Sangha Nusati, manifest, uh, having respect towards uh, the teacher, the teachings, and the, uh, the Sangha who came after that, who um, kept the teachings alive. Somebody you can respect here now. And, you, you know, you keep manifesting, I've done good, I've been a good person, make more of it. Don't think it's nothing. I've given donation. I've given time. I've, I've served. I helped others. You keep looking at it. Don't think it's nothing. Don't say it's okay. It's nothing. It is something. It's it's a big thing. Say so always when people say, "Thank you for doing that." Say you know you're welcome. Don't say it's nothing. It's all right. Say yes. It's a you know you don't have to say like, yeah I'm good, but it's like yeah that's okay. And keep dwelling on it, and then you're manifesting more um, generosity in your mind. Your mind inclines towards that. You're making choices, but your choices are now going towards I'm generous person. You manif- you you're looking at sila. You're manifesting more virtue, manifesting more kindness in the future. I'm a good person. You're making choices from coming from place. I'm a good person, and that's how you choose. 
That's how you condition, that's how you change the conditioning. And that's how you, you become. So do that, keep at it, and if you keep, keep at it, I cannot see it not working. And if you keep saying that the meditation doesn't work, well, the foundation is you haven't worked enough on that. It's not the, the meditation doesn't work because you, uh, you didn't sit enough hours. You didn't contemplate enough hours. That you're, you're how good you are. You didn't contemplate enough of that. So that's the work we have to do on everyday life. And I think that's the talk. Thank you. Thank you, Arjun, for the talk. Mm -hmm. Is there any question from the floor? You're welcome. Um, I was going to um, ask a question about manifesting, mm -hmm. um, only because it's a real thing and it comes up a lot. Apparently. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it seems like really at odds with what we're trying to do here and, you know, practicing Buddhism because... Yeah. Um, and I like, yeah, my, my question was if, because you can get, what, what it is, it's really like thinking clearly about a specific thing. Right. And believing that you already have it, which implies that you can control the universe like a, like a wizard and yeah. then manipulate it and mm. you will get but a, an actual thing. So, but then when you were talking about, um, yeah, I think that's a good way of thinking about it, about mm. the feelings and, you know like meditating on like that, which isn't what manifestation is, like the package people are selling. But Yeah. I, yeah, isn't, I just wondered how it kind of seeps into... Well, um, if you... Right, well, how it seeps into... Well, the, the thing is, if you're trying to manifest, uh, you know, Ferrari and you have a lot of greed towards that, uh, and, but when you get it, the, the problem is you, you had that lot of that greed and then you know, it's not satisfying. You get something nice. But then it's sort of, in the beginning, exciting. You know, like, wow, it's like you take pictures and show others. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's really nice. But after a while, that the wow factor really dissipates because of the, you manifested, what you actually manifest is greed, non-contentment. So we, if you manifest like a contentment and you know, like I'm, I'm just happy what I have and Ferrari comes to your way, then, then you're more content with it. You're not always looking for, like, um, after a while, it's like, oh, I wish I could get a new one now. Or, you know, the greed is never satisfied. So if that's what you're manifesting, and, you know, if you get the physical thing, it's, it's not satisfied. It's not, it doesn't really, you know, change the itch. The itch is still there because you didn't work on that underlying condition so much. So, you know, Manifest things, but yeah, manifest on, like, I'm, I'm content, I'm content. And then things come to your way, and you're content with them as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess there's a lot of interesting ideas, and I've been asked now a couple of times. And this there, was a, there was a book that got very popular right. that people were buying. Right, that was the book. Okay, maybe I read the book. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I don't no think it's so. called the law of attraction. Law of attraction, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, I can see that there's a lot of it's like uh, law of attraction. I can, I, I'm sure it comes a lot of like finding your soulmate and those kind of things. I'm sure it's things very, very human things. Like you, you, we all. Uh, a lot of people have um, this desire to have somebody like partner, soulmate, or whatever. I'm, I'm sure it comes into that kind of thing. So how do I manifest that kind of person? So you... Yeah. Hmm. I would still say, as I, if, you, if you try to manifest that contentment and kindness and all that, and whatever partner comes to your way, you're more content with that, because otherwise, in, in a few years' time, it's not such an amazing partner after all. So there is no uh, satisfying the uh, the whimsical things in the life. Yeah, hmm. it is interesting. Anything else? Yeah. Oh, no, no. I just yeah. I think it's been more helpful for me to think about um, like the how how out of control things are, 
instead of because the manifest that that idea of like if you just put the frequencies out strong enough, mm. that's just feels like trying to get more and more and more and more control over your life. And when you don't get the things that happen, mm. then that's when more suffering will happen. So. Yeah, I could see that. I could. I kind of really see. It's hard to see that it brings happiness, joy in your mind. It it does bring this kind of like I'm I'm missing. I'm missing out. So you all the time. You just that's what you're actually manifesting. And then when you don't, it yeah. means you failed to yeah. project the frequencies. <laughs> that's a wrong frequency. That's it. Well, I I would say really good frequencies to have kindness. That that would be a really good frequency. So so to try to manifest that frequency just to you know and. Hopefully, some uh, others can tune into it, but we cannot really control the world too much. Good question, yeah, or comment. There's, um, yeah, we can take it online, then we can come back. Okay, um, yeah, there's an online question. Once, when I was very sad and thinking that only they were suffering in the world. There was only suffering in the world, right? I remember uh, there was people doing goodness in the world, and by realizing that my breath become beautiful, mm-hmm. was that uh, the anusati or other anusati? Yeah, you right. So you contemplate on the goodness of others. Yeah, I would say. I, I mean, the, it doesn't really give instructions on, let's say, on uh, sila anusati. The Buddha, there is no clear instructions there. There is no like, this is how you do it. We don't have a manual for that. Perhaps there's later commentaries which explain them more. But, you know, so the Buddha gave these things that we have, as far as I understand, for the sila, for the kindness of others. Um, we don't have a good... We have recollection of the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, but the, not so much for the others. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I would say that's, that is contemplating on the goodness of others. And that's, that's a... Um, uh that's the thing we have these it's it's very easy to see the world the problems in the world uh, but it's 50-50 i mean look you can look into you see the goodness the kindness and others as well and i think that's what we should try to cultivate develop more i really don't know why it's so easy to fall into that abyss of uh feeling um, you know, bad news sells, and see the, the not so good, you know, the greatness of of the world, and then every everything could be uh, quite dark. It's it's very easy to fall into it, but so we need to start from our own heart. You know, develop that. So yes, uh, I would say that yes, that would be if you all of a sudden you 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 felt desperate in life. And you see the wars, you see the hunger, you see climate change. There's a lot of things we can be quite, um, it's quite, um, con- uh, I don't know, concerning. It's very, very, what's the word? Confronting and, yeah, confronting. However you feel, your anxiety, it brings anxiety on people, climate change or, yeah, many things, even plastic pollution. You look at it and it's like, oh my God. God, it's, it's it's so uh, it's it's not good what's happening. But so you you just have to realize that we we live in this time and the world is what it is, and we we can only cultivate our minds. There's not much we can uh, how we can control the life outside of ourselves. Do the best of your ability and and keep leaning towards the nibbana. Thank you, Arjun. You wanna. Adrian, there's somebody behind you there. Did you? Sorry, did you want to? Adrian? Oh, yeah, okay. Somebody else got Thank you, Ajahn Mudito. You're welcome. Um, just have a quick question about regarding, you said, when we develop our sila, uh, goodness in ourselves, to um, lean towards Nibbana. So I was thinking how to go from that when you're trying to develop the goodness in yourself, loving kindness and, you know, everything too, like letting go and non-self. Like there is like you're developing this goodness and then how to lead to non-self. That's the progression that I'm... Yeah, yeah the, the progression to yeah. non-self. Okay, to can, when you're doing these things. <clears throat> it actually leads towards it quite very naturally. 
So you kind of have a strong self, uh, idea of strong self or the idea or the feeling of self when you have kindness in your, in your mind. It's actually the, it's the opposite. When, and all of these things, they, they replace that idea of this is who I am. It's, 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 you cannot really own those things when, it, when the contemplation is done correctly. It's, it's hard to own a feeling of kindness. Like you, even when you make it more of it, it's like I'm, I'm a good person. I'm, I've done good things. I'm generous, however, whatever the contemplation you do. Or if you do the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, it's almost like an object outside of yourself anyway. So how do you, you, you cannot own, um, when you make more of it, you contemplate the, it's, it diminishes that strong sense of self. If you, if you, if you give and the giving is, may I receive something from this? May I get born into good rebirth? May I? Then you, the contemplation, it's wrong way of doing the contemplation. So obviously there is right way and wrong way. It's, it's, I don't want to really say wrong way, but the, it's tinted, it's tamed a little bit. So if you say, you know, if I give this, may I receive something back? Then that contemplation is, it's not... If it's not combined with your sila, that's what it comes from the suttas. It doesn't lead you towards that actually that destination. So if you if you think you can give and buy something for yourself in this spiritual path, you have to have a little bit of more wisdom. You have to sort of get back to your senses. Oh, I'm doing something which is this is not how you contemplate. So, but I kind of really seeing people actively doing at least if they're reminded of like no, you just give and just let it go. Otherwise, we, you know, we, so we're not trying to get things to ourselves, really. It's, it's all really the self does disappear there, if you, if, if it, and it's replaced by feelings of kindness and generosity and your goodness, sila, or virtue. You cannot really own your virtue. If you become a virtuous person, it's very difficult to see that you become a person which is sort of going around saying, like, oh, I'm, I'm such a virtuous person. I'm the most humble, the humble, most humblest person. It, it, it's just, it, it doesn't work that way. So I don't think there is a danger there, really, if you keep at it. Yeah, I would not say that. Adrian, there's, there's uh, one lady. Do you want to give the microphone here? But yeah, good question. That microphone, the volume is low on that one, I think, but mine is always really low. But keep it really close to your mouth and... Um, okay, it's just... Yeah, time. it works. Yeah. Um, just to expand on the, the manifestation discussion, I think it's, uh, in defense of this, it's about mind states. So certain mind states will create illness, and if you have a very right. mind or fear... Yeah. And so then... Um, I know a story about a woman called Anita Mojani, and she um, died of cancer. Oh, almost died, yeah. Almost died, yeah. yes. But she had a near-death experience, and yeah. uh, she realized how guilt and fear had contributed to her illness. Yeah. And so it was her mind. Oh, that's right. She had a near-death experience. Near yeah. Death I actually called the yeah. same doctor who treated her. Oh, right. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What a coincidence, yes. Yeah. So I think uh, in terms of looking at manifestation through that lens, that it's yeah. about mind states, so that if we um, look at how fear impacts our yeah. physical health and That's a good like point. That, yes. mm, good way of looking That's at it. it. Okay, thank Negative you. mind states, you manifest, and I was sort of alluding to it, and yes. you, looked, you, know, you looked at it differently. It's exactly right that if you, ma you know, if you have the fear inside of anxiety, and that's what you, you're manifesting. You're manifesting sicknesses in your body. And yes. it, that's a really nice thing, actually, what I've noticed, that when you, when you, when you calm and you allow the body just to relax, you can see it feels healthy. It really has this kind of feeling of like... <sighs> Like, yeah, my body just feels a lot healthier when I can relax. 
quite often we don't notice how tired we have of you know tension and anxiety has places in your body stomach or shoulders or somewhere and we manifest in cancer yes perhaps yes. we're doing that yeah yes well that's joe Dispenza talks a lot about that about and he can actually um through meditation techniques, help people to reverse illnesses. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, it's a good way of looking at manifestation, actually, yes. That's true. One in the back, and I... Oh, let's do... Oh, wow, okay. Adrian, can you take the microphone in the back? I'll try to answer quickly, and then we go. Instead of... So ask um, sick, um, short question, I'll give short answers. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Um, thanks for that. I, I had a question to elaborate on an earlier question um, that you answered around um, how can you delineate the line where you, um, like if you're thinking I'm, you know, I'm doing good things, I'm a good person, like yeah. whilst you're meditating, how does that um, then, how do you find a delineation to not have an inflated sense of ego and then yeah. start kind of, I know you won't walk around starting to tell everyone like I'm a virtuous person, but surely like you kind of, you have this sense of, like, you know, ego, like the ego builds up over time. So how do you find that? Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, okay. no, it won't happen. No, don't. Yeah, next question. <laughs> no, it's not a, yeah, not an issue. And you Good question, you? but it's not, uh, there's, yeah. Make, make a big head by being kind. That's, that's okay. And if you have a problem, come, come to us in a few years' time. But I don't think it's going to become an issue. Yep, next question. Is there... It does work. It is, it's uh, quiet, but yeah, it does work, yeah. Okay. Uh, Just keep it really close to your mouth. Okay. Yeah. Is there like a framework for the things you're supposed to contemplate? Because I've been doing a lot of meditation, mm. but uh, maybe progress is a little slow. And I'm interested in learning contemplation. But uh, it would be nice if there was like a book I could read or... Right. Okay, so is there a book you could, do we have a, so it would be nice if you have the actual guidelines. Um, not that I can think of now, I've, I did do some study, this microphone is now super loud, so I think you turned this up. Um, I do, I can show you a little, if you come to um, uh, the Dana time now, I can show you the book I was reading, but look, uh, there is uh, contemplations, what the, we have this, what we chanted actually when we we were doing here, we have the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, Nusati, Anusati. So you, you you contemplate the qualities of the Buddha. You contemplate the, what the Dhamma is. So there is those key words are there. So you can keep looking at it. So they, that's a very very narrow guideline. But like I say, I like the idea. Like Ajahn Brahm says, you look at it from different angles. Whatever you know, like oh. That's really nice. I can feel that. I can feel that. So whatever that feeling comes to you, so you just look in like almost like a scientific way of like I look at it differently. I just like this is what uh, makes me happy. Like I can see this working. I can see the dumb mind this way. Like oh, that's really uplifting. So in that sense, you have to. There's no really rigid guidelines, and this is how it's going to work for you. It's a feeling, feeling. So what makes you feel? inspired we cannot just say this what makes you inspired no you're inspired no i'm not well it, there's no so no there's no rigid guidelines yeah so you, you keep at it keep keep looking at it and you know looking different angles keep practicing and it, the inspiration grows from that actually yeah uh the one more question behind you adrian no uh, okay so that's it Time for Dana. Thank you for everybody. It's nice to see. Nice to see everybody. So good. Sad.